previously on the Simply Human Podcast. Whenever we were talking about one guy about a fecal transplant, <laughs> we were talking about how does that work? You just like <laughs> put your pants down and put your butt up against the other guy's butt and just start pooping. <laughs> Alright, you gotta suck in while I go out. One, two, three. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's episode 171 of the Simple Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick. Two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, we have a digestive health expert. Norm, Ro- it's either Robillard, Robillard. I've never spoken to him. We have email. I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to go on a limb and say Robillard. Not Robillard. It's R-O-B-I-L-L-A-R-D. He actually just sent me Don't a Skype. Don't keep able to keep you from crapping in your pants. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only reason I'm bringing him on. Recording the intro. Question number one. <laughs> okay, so... Um, I accepted his Skype request. He's right on time. Um, so on today's show, it's Norm Robillard. Robillard. We'll figure it out when we call him. He's a health uh, expert. Depends clearly, on what? What? I've clearly figured it out. It's Robillard. Robillard. Okay, that's what we're going to guess. And I'm guessing, well, we'll guess his birthday in a second. All right. <laughs> so, um, Rick, I have an exciting announcement about Health IQ. You do. I do. Well, an exciting announcement. Play the play the fanfare. <laughs> um, the guy that I originally talked to, like, moved uh, out of the podcast apartment, and the new guy that, like, he handed me off to uh, won't uh, call me back. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, so until I hear from this guy, we're not gonna. We're not. Yeah, yeah. Until I hear from this guy, we're not gonna do the uh, the ads anymore. Because I, it's Health been like you says, "Hey, we would like to advertise and sponsor your show." Here's, you know, let's talk. Well, there's downloads. still a chance. It's it's, it's yeah. Statistics and money. And yeah, it's been now we can get the. Yeah, it's been like three months. Uh, so hopefully it'll all work out. But we're not gonna do the ad this time. Um, because I don't know what's going on. Okay. Um, very quickly before right. we uh call, and is this? Let's see. Hey, oh, Rick, doctor. He's a doctor. Yeah, I know. That's 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 fascinating. Um, okay, so as you know, I was in a different state this weekend. We have talked before on the show about the connection that I have with the Bush family. We've talked about this. Um, there was a funny story about how I texted my my his grandson whenever we thought Jen sent me the screenshot that he that George H had passed, and I sent his very long and respectful uh, uh, text to my friend, and he was like, "No, no, no, he's he's right across the street. I can see him. He's fine. He's not dead." And so this that whole thing. So I was at a wedding. Make a long story short, we walk outside to this outdoor wedding, and like the, like the wedding planner guy is like, "Hey, everybody needs to start making their way over to the chairs, right?" It's like this overlooking these mountains. It's this beautiful thing, a Garden of the Gods, up in Colorado. And George and Laura are just just standing there. Uh, secret- oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on, hang on, <clears throat> hang on. I can call him that. No, you <laughs> may not. <laughs> yeah, they're just. They're just there, and, and George kind of waved over at me and kind of motioned me to come over. He wanted to talk to me. Was he putting on a poncho? <laughs> <laughs> that 
That's the best what? George W. Bush thing when he's put trying to put the poncho oh. on at the inauguration. Have you not? Seen yes, yes, yes. My favorite thing. Oh, okay. That's so great. My favorite George Bush moment, uh, George W. Bush moment, is when he was over in the Middle East doing that press conference, and that reporter took his shoe off. And through any like and he dodges it like just like 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 he and had he it pops back up like huh, you got two shoes baby where's the second and he, one <laughs> and, he, and he throws the second one and he dodges the second one and he's just like yeah yeah like oh that's like I I was gonna take a picture with him with my shoe in my hand but we didn't get around to it um well, I'm sure that would have gone over yeah, real well right <laughs> the Secret Service I gotta take my shoe off and hold it up and they like tackle me off the side of the cliff but. It, so I walk over to him, and my great grandmother was their babysitter in Midland uh, in the fifties. So there's like that, that's kind of a conversation starter. So it's not like I'm walking up yeah, going. Yeah, got some small talk to make right. with a former president. Right. So it's not just like oh, I'm a huge fan or whatever you're gonna say. Like I love your hair. Yeah. So I walk up and I said, Lois Rogers is my great grandmother, and he was I, like, oh. I, I have some things I would have told him. It was shush. And the uh, <laughs> the first thing that he said when I told her told him that was, oh man, did you grow up in Colorado City, which is where she lived like most of her life after she moved from Midland, which is amazing that he remembered that, you know. And so I was like, no, actually, I didn't grow up there. Um, I I was talking to somebody, Greg Wiggins, Simply Human's own Greg Wiggins, I think was the one I was talking about this. He said that I should have been like, hey, I'm Mark Rogers, like. And you are like, what, what's your connection to the the bride or groom? Like, what, yeah. why are you here? And then just been like, ah, just uh, kidding. <laughs> You're clearly the president. Yeah, he probably actually would have thought that was. Funny. I know, and Listen, I, and he, yeah. Let me say, guy, I'm going to completely take politics aside from like a human being standpoint. Like a really cool dude. Yeah. Like he's always struck me as like, if he was your neighbor, you'd be like, hey, I'm I like going over and yeah. me and George going to watch the game or whatever right like he's always down to earth very down and yeah. so i think he would have found that to be funny and I'm, yeah funny. i'm so sad so got a picture with him and then laura was there and jen my wife like loves laura is there an edu- you know she's a big education advocate and jen is in education so we got a picture with laura and jenna and barbara were there and like the whole thing um i didn't i i didn't know about like posting i, I mean i know that i probably shouldn't post any of the pictures or whatever on facebook this is okay to talk about it, right? We've we've talked about this. What that you got your the, picture taken? With yeah, the that's former a, president of the United States. Yeah, it's like yeah, after the okay fact. Okay. What's uh, what, what I think is even more important to talk about is after you sent the picture of you <laughs> yes. and George W. to our group text message thread. I spent like next forty five minutes uh, photoshopping <laughs> that picture with uh, heads of other, other world uh, leaders, disgraced world leaders <laughs> like Idi Amin and uh, you know. Uh, there were many. There were so many of them. Like Mahmoud Ahmadinejad and like uh, it, that was some of my best work. Saddam Hussein. Yeah. The picture of you with world Saddam leaders. Hussein, it's just it's perfect. It was pretty it's, good. It's yeah. Absolutely the best job I've ever done. So but, it was cool. Yeah. We got to talk. I'm to glad him. you got. Yeah, that, that way you've got those pictures forever. But the night before at the rehearsal dinner, I got to sit next to the youngest Bush son, like like George's youngest brother, who is yeah. like even more down to earth than George like we like he's a huge Cowboys fan and we just sat there and just like talked sports and just cut up for like an hour and a half it was awesome um name like Mitch do what Marvin oh Marvin that's right no no uh, like the the, the, well the first thing so like so Barbara Barbara Bush's the the eld eldest Barbara Bush or young Barbara old Barbara her dad's name was uh was Marvin Pierce 
right? So that's why he's Marvin. And, and he told me this. He was like, he was like, yeah, yeah. So like, they always told me he hates his name. He's like, Marvin is like the dumbest name of all time, right? And he's like, I, I've it's hated it. It's not a good name for a young man. Yeah, <laughs> so he's like, that. I've hated it my whole life. And, and he's like, what they've told me was, oh, like my, your grandfather was, was this great man. We named him after, you named, you were named, you're named after him. And he goes, well, then why did it take you four boys? And if he's such a great guy, like why did it take you four times? Yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. But it's like the bottom of the barrel like, yeah. the, uh, from the name honor yeah. uh, bucket. So he's um he he has these stories like he he went to Virginia um and was like he didn't play basketball at Virginia but like he played pickup and was on intramurals and stuff and like was was a, fa- a fairly decent basketball player and like he had a story about him playing uh pickup basketball with Roger Staubach when they were like in their mid thirties um which is a pretty cool story like so he had some of these stories but anyway uh, it was great uh George P and Jeb Jr were both there Jeb's sons were there and it was just like it was just kind of cool secret service was all over the place i got to MC the rehearsal dinner okay that's that's what i've always wondered i know what it looks like from a secret service standpoint of like a sitting president and also i went to like a john Kerry campaign event in ohio yeah. uh like in whenever that, that was like oh, 04 or whatever and i saw what it's like during an active campaign, how many Secret Service agents are there for like just a former yeah, president? Like I, he's two presidents. I saw three. There could have been more, but I saw three. And as soon as at the dinner, he gave the invocation, like before dinner, and then they were they were Spanish. gone. That was awesome. Yeah, they all left. Yeah. Fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> you can't get fooled again. That's my favorite George Bush moment of all oh, time. I'm trying to say that him realizing because i've done the same thing but i'm not the president yeah but like realizing like four words into it you're like oh man uh i don't know goes a little something like this yeah <laughs> so anyway so that was pretty that cool was that was the best part also yes um okay you know what let's uh let's get dr robillard on i'm gonna add him to the call okay. here um add to call doctor mm. and doctor doctor Mark, can you yes. hear me? Okay, so we we are having a debate on how to pronounce your last name. We we're gonna go with Doctor Robillard. That sounds about right. Oh, good job, Rick. I told you I win. Yeah. So we uh, okay. So Mark, I know about you, Rick. I haven't met you before. <laughs> how do you do? I'm I'm doing well. It's nice to meet you, Doctor. Thank you for joining us. We are actually, we are recording. Yeah, call, you can call me Norm. Okay, Norm, Doctor Norm, Norm is fine. Awesome. Well, okay. Dr. Norm, we are recording. Uh, we just recorded a, an intro, and, and so we, we're so excited to have you on. So, guys, Dr. Norm is the founder of the Digestive Health Institute, uh, is a leading gut health expert. He turned his own suffering from chronic acid reflux into a mission to create the drug and antibiotic-free, fast-track diet for functional gastrointestinal disorders. Welcome to the show, Dr. Norm. All right. Thanks for having me. So where, are you, where are you from, I grew up just outside of Boston and then spent uh, quite a few years out in California, but I'm back now. Back <laughs> so in Boston. So I live you, in Watertown, Mass. So are you big like uh, Red Sox, Patriots? What's uh, Is that what's going on? <laughs> well, you know, I don't watch much baseball these days for some reason. My dad's a big hockey fan, but oh. I certainly don't miss, I don't miss a Patriots game. Okay. Yes, I'm sure you're, you're probably the same with uh, Dallas. <laughs> yeah, or the Cowboys. We are Cowboys actually fans. exactly. Yeah. So, well, the only problem is like, and Doctor Norm, I want I would like to hear your thoughts on this. So, like, an eighteen-year-old uh, from the, from New England, from Boston, 
who's never known a bad like Patriots, or even like a 24-year-old, because you don't really come into sports consciousness until you're like you know six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. <laughs> what do you th- like? What do you think that those kids are spoiled? Because I know you've you had to go through some pretty bad Patriots teams. Like, do you are you okay with that, or do you are you like you you guys don't know you're so spoiled? How do you feel about the the young Patriots fans? Yeah. You know, I don't think it stops when you're when you get older. Uh, you get spoiled. <laughs> And and you get used to winning, and when they when they lose, for instance, the Super Bowl, Ugh. I mean, it, you know, you feel a little depressed. Yeah, especially to a back <laughs> well, it's not just the Patriots too, because the uh, the Celtics have won titles Many, recently. Yeah. The Bruins have won titles recently. The Red Sox. I mean, you've gone to you know from kind of a you know place where not a lot of good stuff happened for several years to like basically being Championshipville, USA. Yeah. And now Dallas is shut out of all of it. So, yeah, yeah we've reversed suck. roles for sure. Yeah, but how's things going down there? I mean, what's any trades? So you have Dak, what, Dak Prescott, Prescott is yes. QB down there? Yes. Yeah, the, our, the biggest thing is uh, Alan, with Alan Hearns. Is that is that Rick? Is that correct? That's the receiver we just yes. signed from Alan. the Jaguars. Um, nice. And we'll, we'll see. That's really all we've done so far um, free agent-wise. But, uh, yeah. Where Rick is a big hockey fan, and he's always talking hockey, and I'm always getting bored with hockey. So after we hang up, I'll leave the call, and you guys can just nerd out on hockey for like an hour. So, <laughs> well, I'll put him in touch with my dad. Yeah. <laughs> my dad remembers the the last time the uh, uh, Bruins won before this recent title. Oh wow! Oh wow! Awesome. The Bobby Orville. Uh, actually, it wasn't Bobby or Rick. It was uh, Wayne Gretzketsky. Gretzketsky no, no, was the was guy's name. Recent. Yeah, yeah. So Mark Gretzky. Uh, Mark, stop. Mark, what? stop. Sorry. I demand that you stop attempting to try to talk hockey. You're ridiculous. Brett <laughs> Brett uh, Hall Senior uh, was okay. another. Yes. <laughs> That's enough of hockey talk. <laughs> All right, Dr. Norm, we are so excited to have you on. Tell us your story, uh, kind of a, a background, uh, and how you got to where you are today. And then we're gonna, we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about. Sure, yeah. Let me give you the, the quick version there so we can move on. Um, you know, I am a microbiologist by training. That's what I went to school for. Uh, studied a lot of these gut microbes uh, when I was in uh, grad school and as a postdoctoral fellow. Uh, but, you know, we were thinking of gut microbes as more of the enemies back then, like if they get out of the intestines, if you have a, uh, you know, if you got shot and you get an infection in your gut, you know, from like Bacteroides fragilis, one of the bugs I used to study, we need to kill it before it kills you. So we were thinking of it in those ways, but obviously, you know, these days uh, there's a much more thorough uh, perception of these microbes in our gut that that actually protect us. So here's how I came to be where I am. I I went to uh, school, got out of school, worked in biotech. Uh, pharmaceuticals, did a lot of research, uh, not on gut microbes during that time, but it's interesting because I had my own my own GI issue. I had chronic acid reflux that was just it was killing me, um, and, and you know the the drugs that my own industry was putting out the proton pump inhibitors, the H2 blockers. I mean, they just, they were helping with the symptoms a little bit to be fair, but they really weren't solving the problem. I could still tell I was belching and refluxing and I'd wake up at night aspirating it into my lungs thinking I was dying. I mean, I was, I was in rough shape, you know, and this went on for years and I never knew what was causing it. I never even thought about my diet. I never thought about my gut microbes in that perspective. But here's what happened in around 2004. All right, so this was 14 years ago. Uh, my oldest son was a was a trainer, and he said, "You know, Dad, 
you need to lose a couple pounds. I'm going to get you a treadmill and, and let's go on a low carb diet. And I said, you know, <laughs> you're right. So, uh, and I bought the book Protein Power by Drs. Mike and Mary Dan Eads, you know, low carb dieting. And I, I went on the diet with just to lose a few pounds. But what really shocked me was my acid reflux also um, dramatically improved. And I thought, this is just unbelievable. I mean, I've, I've been suffering and I go on this diet, it's better. Uh, and other people online were saying the same thing. And I found a little study at, uh, out of Duke University, a pilot study, low-carb diets for heartburn and reflux was, was uh, showed, you know, that it was quite effective. But nobody knew or was talking about why. Why would this be? And so I really wanted to know. Why do carbohydrates, what do they have to do with reflux? Do they cause acid reflux? And uh, so I started reading about the, you know, the existing theory on this lower esophageal sphincter and it, you know, relaxing. And, you know, there was 50 or 60 year old theory that had to do with these muscles on the tops of your stomach, spontaneously relaxing or loosening. And that's what caused acid reflux. And nobody questioned it all these years. But this was a dilemma because what did carbohydrates have to do with this? So I started looking at how, how, how are these food groups digested? You know, carbohydrates, fats, proteins, what is it about carbs? And, you know, as I moved through the digestive tract, the stomach and chewing and the acid and uh, pepsin in the stomach and more enzymes in the small intestine, all of a sudden when I was in the intestines, I started thinking back, wow, you know, I used to work with bacteria that grow in the intestines. And I remember two things that seem important now. They prefer carbohydrates as a fuel source, and most of these strains produce a whole lot of gas, huh. hydrogen, carbon dioxide, and there's also these archaea organisms that produce methane. And the, the loads of them in our gut, they're producing a lot of gas, and I, it just came to me in a flash. I thought, well, I think I know what might be happening here. I'm eating too many carbohydrates. I'm not processing, digesting, and absorbing them very well, and they're overfeeding blooms of gas-producing bacteria. And that gas pressure is building up, translating into the stomach. And that's this, that's well-researched, by the way. They know people with GERD have a lot of pressure in their stomach. And I thought, it's probably that simple, like dropping a Mentos into a bottle of yeah. Coke. My reflux is being caused by this carbohydrate malabsorption and gas-producing bacteria. And it was just, you know, I, I was so shocked that I just started you know, researching and writing, and I really wanted to get these ideas out there and this new theory and get in the clinic and all that stuff. So along the way, I started to realize that the biggest problem were the harder to digest but fermentable carbohydrates, lactose, fructose, right? You've heard about lactose and fructose intolerance. Sure, yeah. But I also added to the list resistant starch, which is like a fiber, all of the different types of fiber and sugar alcohols with, with there's one safe sugar alcohol, but I can talk about that later. And so that ended up becoming the basis of this fast-track diet approach. Okay, cool. Um, man, there was like, there, as you're talking, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to ask him that. And then it's like you say the next sentence, and I'm like, <laughs> ooh, I need to ask him about that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a sentence, and I'm not saying that I, I believe this sentence, but I'm going to say a sentence, and I want you to respond to the sentence, Okay. Or and maybe not a sentence, maybe just like a couple of just sentences. Just a trick question. No, uh, you'll see where I'm going with this because I don't. I've, I, I heard this and I don't know what to think about it. So the gut, oh. the gut uh, flora, the microbiota that are in your gut, there are there are 
way more of those bacterial cells than human cells. And, and in fact, we are not carrying them around. They are using us to, to, to survive and, and uh, to, to get around instead of the other way around. Uh, uh, yeah, kind res- of like if res- the aliens came down and they right. saw some guy you know, walking a dog, they'd, they'd think the dog, the was, dog the was in charge. Yes, respond to that statement. Um, well, first of all, it's true about half of the time. You know, after we eat, when these guys are churning away on these uh, uh, fermentable carbohydrates, there are more of these bacteria in our intestines than cells in our body. Wow. But when, when we're hungry, we haven't eaten for a while, it balances out and we may have a few more cells than, than huh. them. So that's one thing that seesaws back and forth. So where do the but cells what, go? Like where, like where do the bacteria go? Do they, do they die? Like when we, when we uh, uh, go to the restroom? Well, yeah, I mean that you get rid of a lot of them when you go to the restroom, huh. but they're also, you know, they have a life cycle, life cycle. Cool. But anyway, that's on the numbers of bacteria. What I find even more interesting is instead of looking at the number of cells, our cells to their cells, and I mean, our cells are much bigger, right? That's why we have all, more mass, but, when you look at genes, the number of genes, okay. then bacteria really shine. They have a hundred more genes than we than all of the human genome. Wow, a hundred wow. times more. And what's even more interesting and relevant to this this discussion we're having is most of those genes are all targeted at how to break down complex carbohydrates. Huh. So, so, so why does a, a low-carb diet, uh, just because you're not uh, activating as many of those bacteria, like why is the, the low-carb diet uh, beneficial in that way when we're talking about bacteria and their genetic code? Yeah, well, it, you know, that gets to a, a, a much deeper question, right, about how, how did we evolve and why, you know, why would these bacteria be there to begin with? Um, they're there because they like all animals, they can save our lives when we don't have um, an, you know, a, a robust food supply because all of those you know, 100 times more genes than, uh, than we have all breaking down complex carbohydrates. That's so when we do eat carbohydrates that aren't fully digestible, you know, roots and fibrous vegetables and so forth, uh, a lot of those carbohydrates we simply can't break down. We just don't have the enzymes. Right. But we have these microbes, like all other animals. We have these microbes in mostly in our large intestine. Um, you talked about the numbers, some 100 trillion in, in the human large intestine. They break down these complex carbohydrates, and, and, and the ones on that list, lactose, fructose, resistant starch, fiber, and sugar alcohols. Some sugar alcohols naturally occurring in, in uh, vegetables and fruits, by the way. They're breaking those down, and they're producing short-chain fatty acids, right? Right. So those are, in one word, fats, and and we can metabolize those and get energy from them. So there's a survival advantage for having these bacteria huh. in our, our gut. Is that what That's makes us able to eat so many different things? Like yeah, I always say, and, like and, yeah, and survive on them, right? But you know, things have changed, right? Um, you know, we first of all, we're not eating the diet of our ancestors where we evolved because it turns out where you your ancestors come from they had certain they were uh they evolved to eat a certain diet in that area 
and and they tuned into that. So, for instance, uh, some areas, you know, on the planet, people consume at more um, starches, right? Right. And what they're finding is that the people in those areas, uh, you know, that that evolved there, have more gene copies for the salivary amylase enzyme to help them break and down that, that the starches before it gets yeah. down into your gut. Yeah. Up to 60% of their saliva can be this amylase enzyme. In other places, probably more northern regions, uh, people have fewer gene copies, if that's where they evolved, and they don't tolerate starches as well. And by the way, the people that have a lot of amylase in the saliva, they also seem to have an advantage in how they process starches in terms of uh, blood sugar. So it does look like kind of an evolutionary advantage. So here's what's happened in modern times, right? Antibiotics, preservatives, We've got the Western diet, all of these things, uh, you know, going on at the same time. And Mark, I was looking at your website and I looked at some of the, you know, uh, simple way of eating and no processed foods and everything you were saying makes sense to keep a healthy microbiota. But that's not the way it is in most, you know, places these days. And so what happens? Things can become unbalanced and there's a lot of carbohydrates in all of these snack foods and junk foods. And I really think we're overfeeding our microbiota. And so you start to get these blooms of bacteria and it may be it may not be what they call SIBO that's the big buzzword these days small intestinal yeah small intestinal bacterial overgrowth overgrowth. yeah it might start out as a general dysbiosis so just too many bacteria in the large intestine all right that's where most of them are supposed to be the small intestine has many fewer bacteria in the different types that are supposed to be there to kind of protect the small intestine and there's almost no bacteria in the early part of the small intestine where our critical digestive machinery is, the villi and the microvilli and all of these little sensitive enzymes, the sucrases and the maltases and so forth. And so if you have a lot of bacteria and a lot of gas, they can these bacteria can work their way into your small intestine. The ones that are in large numbers in your large intestine can work their way past this ileocecal valve and start to populate in the small intestine, and that's called SIBO, small okay. intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So th- and that's a problem because it really does gum things up. Yeah. Now, I've, I've got a friend. This may not be your area of expertise, but I have a friend, for instance, who has pooped like three times a day his whole life. Is that normal or is that dependent on a bunch of other things and you can't really say if it's normal or not? Um, you know, it's absolutely normal. And, and and also people that don't poop in a day or even two days, that can be normal too. It's really more a question of, uh, you know, it, are you uncomfortable? Do you have normal stool consistency? Or, or when you go three days, three times in a day, is it diarrhea? Or when you don't go for two days or so, is it hard and lumpy and you have to strain and you're really uncomfortable? Because that's constipation. But just not going as much isn't suppose you're doing a lot of fasting right. or you're not consuming many carbohydrates you won't be making as much poop yeah that's what uh rick really is interested in is how to not make as much poop because uh, he's really Listen, a, he's such uh, a poop manufacturer over there um my situation down there is uh going a-okay thank you though mark i, I could almost set a, i could set my watch to it just about yeah yeah and that's another funny thing well so um you mentioned fasting. 
Uh, like if you're maybe if you're fasting, you're not you know creating uh, manufacturing. I like saying manufacturing poop. Um, why is let's talk about fasting? Why is that healthy? That's kind of a buzzword right now. A lot of people think that's like this fad thing that's not natural and it's like a starvation thing. Talk about fasting and why it's good for the gut. Mm. And, and by the way, on this, I will tell you. You know, I fast myself regularly. Have been for many years. Um, I'm not the expert. But it is an area that I really enjoy learning about and reading about. And I certainly do recommend it to people I consult with because, you know, uh, we've been talking about how great a lower carbohydrate diet is, right, Right. for digestive health issues. Well, fasting is low carb. It's also low low protein and low fat. Yeah, it's all everything. (laughs) Low calorie. But one thing it's not going to do is feed these microbes. In fact, some of these microbes can can, uh, ferment certain amino acids so they can kind of attack the protein too. Uh, So when you're fasting, you're not doing that. Uh, But just as kind of a primer in fasting, just some of my reading. uh, I mean, there's a great TED Talk I'd recommend people, if they're interested in this, watch, you know, a real expert, Dr. Mark Mattson. National Institute of Aging, if they just Google his TED Talk, fantastic. I mean, he talks about fasting's impact on reducing inflammation and oxidative stress, promoting fat metabolism, right? That's shifting us into ketosis, just like a low-carb diet. Fasting does that too. Helps the brain, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, epilepsy. So there's a general good primer that people can just watch that, that video. But it yeah, does and I'll, I'll look f- up. It's the Dr. Mark Matson. I've seen that TED talk. I will uh, link to it in the show notes. I think I've, I, you know, I've been doing a bunch of reading and, and watching stuff about fasting uh, recently, also, and I think I've seen that one as well. So yeah, I mean, you're speaking my language right now. Yeah, I mean, it was just I, I was blown away watching that. I mean, it just even though all of this stuff is going to require you know some more directed research, it's just f- fantastic. What was it? it and what we're seeing seems to fit with some of the other models too, uh, calorie restriction for longevity. Um, but when I think about this, my mind always wanders to, okay, what about gut microbes? How do they fit into this equation? And uh, you know, I I had been looking at studies on lean and obese people, right? Obesity is kind of the opposite situation. And believe it or not, in obesity you have a less diverse microbiota. Right? You don't want tons of bacteria making gas and giving you all these uh, symptoms, but you also uh, you need some. want it yeah. to be diverse. And so when you overfeed them, you get some strains that grow and grow and grow, and they kind of overpopulate, um, uh, kind of like people crashing a party, you know, when you really want just a whole diverse mix of healthy bacteria. So um, – and another Danish study showed that, uh, oh, yeah, they compared obese to non-obese. Um, and again, so more diverse and non-obese individuals. Uh, the, the fasting, the impact on human microbe populations are somewhat limited, but there's a couple of things out there. Um, one paper, I'll tell you what it is, but I don't even have it yet. I, I sent for it from the library, and I want to read that. But there is a paper I did read from uh, a researcher in Austria. Uh, 2015. Um, I can I can send you the link for that. But her name is Marlene Reemley. She's the the researcher. But she found when people fasted that there was an increased microbial diversity. Huh. So it's similar to lean, right? Right. Increased diversity, and she also found an increase in the abundance of certain really healthy gut bacteria, Faecalibacterium prausnitzii, 
right? If you're somebody with, a, with an inflammatory bowel disease, you tend to be very deficient in that bacteria. So we know it's important. Yeah. So people fasting had more of that. They had more Akamensa mucinophila. And guess what? That's been cited as being a good one for uh, not only protecting the gut barrier, but also for leanness. So it kind of ties in to the, the other studies, and it ties in with this paper I don't have yet, but it's called Intermittent Fasting yeah. Promotes White Adipose Browning and Decreases Obesity by Shaping the Gut Microbiota. Yeah. So it's a long name, but I wanted yeah. wanted your peeps to hear it. Yeah. So in case they want to look up the paper, I don't have it yet. But what they're talking about is that somehow the role of um, gut bacteria, and this this research, early research is being done in mice, but that it helps st uh, stimulate the the uh, what do they call that kind of the white adipose tissue that you can't break down and right. metabolize into more beige or brown fat, which can be metabolized. So it gets to that idea of, of bacteria in our gut helping us burn fat better. Yeah. So it's really, um, I think, some amazing research. I really I want to learn more about that. Oh, and by the way, it does it by elevating um, certain products that the bacteria make, acetate and lactate, right? Those are those short-chain, two of those short-chain fatty acids we were talking about. And by the way, they, it doesn't happen in germ-free mice. They have to have the bacteria so they can take them away. But they can take the bacteria from one and put them in the other one and give it that ability again. So, And that's in, it's in a good journal, Cell Metabolism. Uh, it's probably worth a read. I don't have it yet. Yeah. But, um, you mentioned uh, uh, you fast daily. I've been fasting since 2011. How do you define a uh -huh. fast? Are you? Uh, some people are going like you know 48 hour fast. Other people are going a certain number of hours per day. Like, what is your sort of uh, 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 prescription on you know the quote unquote fast? Yeah. Again, and, and and it's a great topic. I mean, I keep meaning to read Jimmy Moore. Uh, he co-authored a book with somebody else on fasting. I keep meaning to get my yeah, hands. Yeah, he's on been that. Jimmy's been um, on the show a couple times. I actually uh, oh, shared okay, a room yeah. shared a room with Jimmy one time at a conference, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Oh yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I do want to read that. Like I said, I'm in. I'm kind of in the learning mode on this, but naturally, I fast um, probably because I eat more fats in my diet. I'm eating less carbs. So I eat more fats, and so I have protein and fats at night. And in the morning, I'm just not hungry. Um, of course, I'm not out. You know, uh, well, today I actually had a book order for a thousand books, so I was out loading the pickup all morning. But usually, I'm sitting by the computer and not burning a lot of calories. But I don't really get very hungry until about noon or one. Right. I might have a small handful of nuts. So that's just kind of my routine. For other people, um, it's it's different. But you know, the one thing that is important, I, I think. If you can get some 12 or 15-hour fasts in there, that's great. But for people with IBS and acid reflux, all these functional gastrointestinal disorders, right? Even though I got my start, cut my teeth on my own heartburn problem, I, this diet is really for all of these other functional GI issues, even bloating and diarrhea, constipation. But people um, will uh, – some people will fast you know, in the morning, some in the afternoon. But what's really important is to – just not eat during the day for about four or five hours where you're just not snacking and eating because there is this thing called the migrating motor complex. So when you're talking about your friend who poops three times a day yeah. and somebody else's has gas and bloating and, and digestive issues, you do want to leave a window 
where this these muscular contractions in your intestines can kind of move this stuff through. Yeah. And if you eat, you you uh, interfere with that. Well, you also need a window in case you do have gas so that you can open and <laughs> and shoo the gas away. <laughs> As, like we were on this road trip, Rick. Uh, coming home from a long road trip this weekend and my wife was asleep I th- at least i thought she was asleep so i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna sneak one out and uh you know so, <laughs> so i snuck one out you know thinking that she's asleep she's not gonna notice it and all of a sudden like she didn't move her hand moved and all of a sudden like the window like <laughs> was rolling down <laughs> and i was like oh so, sorry uh, thanks for reminding me yeah. I, I mentioned hydrogen and methane and carbon dioxide <laughs> they're all odorless right. but there is the hydrogen sulfide yeah that's the one that's we missed one you yeah. found it <laughs> <laughs> well okay and then really quickly we um creating a diverse gut biome like so, if you could give like a elevator speech, five six bullet points to uh, like how do you create a, a healthy, diverse gut biome? Mm. Well, it gets back to something we said before too, right? Whenever possible, you do want to avoid you know additives and preservatives, and especially antibiotics. Um, however, that's not always possible, right? And and some I had Lyme disease myself last year. I was hiking up in New Hampshire. Oh damn thing bit me in the middle of the back i didn't see it for four days until uh. i was on the couch with the flu and so we oh. pick, picked it off i deed it it was a lime tick i had uh, you know an absolute flu it was there's no question about it so i went to the emergency room just to try to get some doxycycline well they they googled it too and then charged me six hundred dollars but anyway oh um, my gosh so, so I did, I did have to take doxycycline, and it was terrible on my gut. So there are cases when you just have to bite the bullet and do something that's not the greatest for your gut. Right. You know, uh, even, even doing bowel cleansing before colonoscopy, people, you know, do that. At least then it's a more natural thing, and you're probably going to repopulate a little bit easier. Um, so you need to repopulate sometimes, and it, it takes time. But also just keeping, keeping it lean and robust, not overfeeding. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are just – they really think we're starving on microbiota. Here we are in the land of plenty, uh, you know, snack shops on every corner, and we're starving on microbiota. And, and we have to feed them more and more and more fiber and more of this and more resistant starch and more prebiotics. I, I just don't agree at all. It Actually, in a, in a less well-fed environment – and by the way, the mucus in our own gut will feed these microbes when we don't. They're designed to prevent starvation. So why would you think they're not robust in a low-nutrient environment? In fact, it's more competitive for them. And the, and the ones that don't belong there, the pathogens and parasites and, uh, and some of these organisms that aren't well adapted to the human gut, they will be the first to go when things get tough. And so I think you do want to challenge them. So that's where the fasting comes in. Uh, also, I do believe a diverse diet equals a diverse microbiota. So I have a protocol, people I work with, that that I'll give them sometimes if I think they have. And a lot of times the testing shows they have low diversity. Um, eating a variety of fresh herbs, fresh vegetables. Um, and by the way, low what these FP points, we haven't had a chance to talk about that, but our diet has a calculation for, for quantitating these fermentable carbohydrates. It's called the FP point system. And so these these herbs and vegetables will be all kind of low FP. Uh, so basil and parsley and things like that, um, lettuce and greens. And uh, you, know, you can have some other vegetables, but just not the real high-carb stuff. You know, try to 
watch it on well the on what about the like the fermentable stuff the the healthy like actual uh sauerkraut uh the kombucha all that stuff is all that good to add in every now and then no i in, in fact that is part of the protocol so one is herbs one is fresh vegetables and <laughs> you my memory tonight thanks and the <laughs> other one is actually fermented food so cool. So kimchi and sauerkraut and some lacto-fermented vegetables and, and pickles are great. And not the sauerkraut that's just soaked in vinegar, people. Like the Clausen sauerkraut that just is vinegar, that's that's not fermented. It's just soaked in vinegar. You've got to find yeah. you've got to find the or the can or the canned stuff. <laughs> right. You've got to find it, it it's it'll say cabbage and like salt. That's the only thing in it. Uh, that's been well, actu- it should also say live culture. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've got to, yeah, you got to look for that. And it's just like you're just like, oh, good, I'm, I'm, he- I'm creating a healthy bacteria by eating like a bunch of vinegar soaked vegetables. Like that's not, it's a scam. I wish they wouldn't. I wish they wouldn't do that. Pickles too. Uh, pickles soaked yeah. in vinegar and, and are not fermented. And don't forget, fermented milk products is something I, I think is good too. All in, you know, not the sugary stuff with all the fruit in the yeah, bottom. Right. You know the the basically no sugar added stuff and you could put a little stevia or something in there yeah. if you wanted but um and not too much maybe a half a cup of yogurt and to, if you're having symptoms you know these symptoms of bloating and all of these things we were talking about uh you know you do have to watch those and with the with the lacto fermented veggies i'd say a half of one of those big new york deli type pickles Right. Or a tablespoon a of sauerkraut, of yeah, yeah. Until so you see if you get used to it and you're okay with it, because that those bacteria can some of those strains can make a little bit of gas. Most of them don't yeah. make much gas. That's why when you do those lacto fermentations, if you have an airlock on there, you see it bubbles really slowly. Right. So, which is great. They're not huge gas producers, but they do make some gas. Some of them. What about um, if you have access to like a cow drinking raw milk? How is that like? I mean. You know, like you live on a farm or something. Like, what is your uh, stance on raw milk? Yeah, and that's a good question. And, and you know, my stance, <laughs> my position <laughs> sounds so hard. Yeah, yours your platform has, um, on raw milk. Yeah, it's changed because um, I was, you know, classically trained as a microbiologist. You know, went through the whole PhD program, and part of that program is learning about uh, food poisoning. And right. dairy products are right up there, and wow, you've got to be really careful because milk and all these things, and listeria and salmonella. Yeah. But it turns out this much more recent study done just, I don't know, three or four years ago uh, was an eye-opener because at least from a modern modern farms that were kind of you know better managed or whatever, um, they found very low incidences of, right. of GI infections from, from raw dairy. So I – that opened my eyes quite a bit. Yeah, so like we get, I've talked about it on the show before. Like we we do like a, a cow share, and we get a gallon of raw milk a week from like a really you know like a a good like a farm right outside of town or whatever. Like two of my kids, I, they drink it, especially if they've like like one of my daughters had strep a couple of times and had to take an antibiotic. It's a bacterial thing. But, like, when she would take her antibiotic, like, I would make her drink, like, not make her, she loves it, you know. But, like, here's a, also here's a glass of raw milk to try to, you know, help help with your gut and all that. Well, one of my daughters, whenever she drinks the raw milk, she has she gets, like, body odor. Is that a thing? Is that, like, what is that? Could that be a response? Like, she's, like, lactose intolerant or something and, like, can't break it down. And so it's, like, manifesting itself in, in some sort of a... a odor through her pores or something or is that is that maybe something else <laughs> she just stinks yeah 
I mean, if she if she's lactose intolerant, and uh, and I don't know if your heritage is Northern European or not, because ninety percent of Northern Europeans um, are tolerant to lactose yeah. as adults, and and it starts after weaning. Right. So so your daughter's already on regular foods. If she was lactose intolerant, she would probably get kind of gas and bloating and diarrhea and stuff yeah. more of a reaction like that. Right. And instead of just kind of, um, you know, body odor thing. Yeah. Huh. So I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. yeah that's kind of a weird question. Um, By the way, I, I, I know, you know, you get more than milk from those cows. I saw one of the videos you made with your freezer with oh. you had bull balls and all kinds of tongues and things. <laughs> he did his research, Rick. Uh, there was actually he one... He used every part, every part of the cow. Well, and speaking of milk... Yeah, it looked great, though. Head to tail. You're doing yeah, it. Yeah, I used to... I mean, my wife is, is far removed from breastfeeding, uh, but whenever she would have, like, frozen breast milk in the freezer, she would be Stop like, it. hey, this is going to go bad. I would just, like, maybe dump some of it into my protein shake or something but uh, it's very healthy rick very that is healthy. not true you did that is not true. Why, why is that so weird it's like the most human food of all time it's breast milk <laughs> and it tastes good too it so tastes great it tastes great <laughs> there are like bodybuilders now that are paying really a lot of money to like get human breast milk like it's a thing now it's this weird it's weird Those professional bodybuilders is the standard by which uh, oh no that's normal <laughs> injecting steroids directly into your elbow is also not that's something that i would normally want to do but dr norm that's a good way to build up your bifidobacteria yeah there you go well hey we are at 45 minutes i can't believe uh the time has flown by um let's talk very briefly i want you to tell everybody where they can find you you know digestive health institute is it dot com or dot org it's .org, digestivehealthinstitute.org. We're going to put it in the show notes. Uh, where else can people find you? To promote yourself a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's where they can find a lot of our stuff from, digestivehealthinstitute.org. They can join our fast-tracked, and spelled T-R-A-C-T, fast-track diet group. It's the official fast-track diet group on Facebook. Oh, okay, you, you sent me a link to um, that, and I will put that in the show notes as well. Very cool. Yeah, about 7,000 people on there sharing recipes and talking awesome. about the diet and uh, talking about all kinds of problems, you know, uh, laryngopharyngeal reflux. All We get a lot of the people on there with problems that nobody's been able to figure out, and so it's really been a great group, and, and we're actually learning some things from the, from the peeps on our page. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. So that's great. Well, that's awesome. So everybody check him out there. And uh, you have your cell phone number on here. I'll put your cell phone number out there as well. And your social security number is on here. <laughs> this is all good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. people can can call us. We do You know, we do have this thing called a telephone. You just what? pick it up. And the, the number is 844-495-1151. So we do, I do a lot of uh, consultations with people with these GI issues and reflux and IBS and uh, LPR. So... Um, yeah, they can just reach us and call us and talk to us. You, your number should you should have gotten like one eight hundred sphincter or something. I think that would have been fun. <laughs> That's already taken, Mark. That's my personal cell phone number. <laughs> Rick's your cell phone number is one eight hundred. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, maybe well, I'll look into that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Doctor Norm. This has been really great, and like really like we got to like uh, one of the things on our list here. So uh, maybe like later this spring or in the summer we can have you back on and, and tackle another. Uh, uh, another topic sounds great thanks. awesome thanks Mark really appreciate it we'll talk to you soon All right. thanks, Doc. that was very interesting I love that kind of stuff that was super interesting yeah. yeah I mean and I and I don't you know on, on the surface I don't have like a like a tremendous amount of like 
necessarily like interest in that. But then when I hear someone talking about like the stuff that goes on like in your intestines and your stomach, like it's naturally very, very interesting. That's the kind of stuff that like affects your health pretty drastic yeah yeah and like the more and more like i if i if you aren't like if you if the gut is still kind of a mystery to you like i would really encourage you to do like a google alert or like every now and then just google like gut biome or gut health and just kind of read some of the stuff because that's like kind of like the the thing that's getting a lot of attention right now like he was talking about all those papers and everything yeah there's a lot of they're they're making huge, huge 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 like kind of scientific discoveries linking gut biome to all kinds of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with like crapping in your pants right. like stuff like how your brain works uh yeah you know it's all it, connected it to stuff that i'm interested in like you know uh, how it relates to uh brain function of people that have like an autism spectrum disorder like those are like they're making a a, a tangible connection now yeah. it's really really interesting all right rick um this show is brought to you by um my no one but my mailbox yeah it's brought to you by this quarter that i'm holding in my hand let's see it's a uh 1970 oh no it's 2002 who won the heisman in 2002 i don't know sam bradford i don't know i I, honestly i don't know who won the heisman last year. yes you do is it baker yes dummy I don't. I, I honestly, I do not pay any attention at all whatsoever to college. I know who won the Parker Stanley last year. Not. Is that what it's called, the Parker Stanley? Oh, it, no, it's the it Stanley a- Bowl. It's the Stanley Bowl. I know who won the Stanley oh. Bowl last year. It was oh, the Colorado oh, Colorado Rockies. Nope. No, it was not. Colorado Rocky. <laughs> all right. Well. John <laughs> I said that to Jen when we were driving into the mountains this weekend. I said that to her, and she just she didn't. Leave. She just kind of go All right, that's gonna do it for this edition of the Semi Human Podcast. And remember, and a new guy that like he handed me off to uh, won't uh, call me back. So until next time, enjoy yourself.